Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Eastman from RUScreening.com, and I'm here, uh, as always, with Shane Leonard. Hello. And this week, we are going to be talking The Cabin in the Woods, and apparently, we are going to get a bunch of background noise really soon, because (laughs) my whole family is coming home. Uh, But, um, you know, uh, we've already kind of jumped in a little bit with a, a little bit of this for the cabin in the woods uh how spoilery are you what is there a twist everyone talks about the twist, the twist. i have an it, idea on the twist it, it, is there actually a twist but first i think uh, we should just start because this is a, a strange thing to talk about i think a little bit for us because there's usually we're not very worried about being spoilery right and no, not at all. And this one has certain elements that are spoilery. There are certain things that happen, actually, the very first thing in the movie that I did not think was going to... Yeah, that seemed like that was going to come later. I, I, right. From looking at the trailers, I thought we were going to get you know, more of a different angle to begin with, and then we were going to kind of kick in with the other side of things. Like but, a gradual reveal, a slow reveal, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I did too. Uh, so, But uh, because of the way this works, I think we should just kind of kick off with general liking and not liking and then see where we go from from there well all right go ahead well and actually it was kind of funny because we did talk really quick this week we did just see the movie this is a this is a true instant reaction right literally just got out of the car after seeing the movie so we we barely made it here for the show show to start so it was it was really close so i think i think that's good and i think it's especially good yeah i do too uh, a lot of times I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's yeah. I think it's really good for this one. Yeah. Um, I, I think probably like maybe seventy five percent of the time we saw a movie, I, I don't know that it would make a lot of difference no. to what happened. But I think it's pretty cool for this one because, you know, you could talk this one to death pretty quickly and then show up and it's way no longer right. your instant reaction. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so. The whole reason I said that was because you had said in the very short amount of time we could possibly talk uh, that you felt dumber for watching it or, or, or something along those lines, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which, you know, I promptly had to chime in with this one made you feel that way. But last <laughs> week we did American Reunion and it didn't, which American Reunion, uh, that's really the response I had to this. Well, my my response to that, too, just, just to jump in quick, is that I knew what I was getting with American Reunion. I knew that I wasn't going to come out of that film smarter or any more charming. You know, it's just that I, I knew that that film was going to be basically just fart jokes. And, and I, right. I understood that. I don't often get, and I'm not going to suggest that this film certainly pulled me in, but I don't often get pulled into the the whirlwind of of reviews and hoopla and raving. But I had heard a fair amount of really positive things about this movie right. and that Cabin in the Woods was um, a really entertaining and engaging meta film. And so I had a fair amount of that going into it. So after coming out of that and not really having that met, um, not even remotely, right. um, now I'm feeling a little bit just 
dumber for it. Right. That's, and, that's my background and, for it. And that <laughs> is kind of, uh, you know, the, I guess, there just, there really is a lot of positive stuff floating around with this movie. Um, and let me just jump in here right now because we are so, you know, last minute getting here and everything that I didn't even have the chat open on the thing. So <laughs> we really just fired it know, up and made it. So right, call, uh, call in if you're at Blog Talk Radio right now. The number is there. I'll tell it to you anyway. What was that? Three two four three zero two two, and the chat is open there, and we are watching the chat. So. Do you have anything to say? Call Ser- waiting. Seriously? Is the call waiting? Yeah. Anyway, um, the reason that I, I kind of brought up jumping right into that, it, since you said something about yeah. uh, feeling stupider, I, I actually had a way more positive reaction to this movie, generally speaking, I guess. Well, that, okay, this that, is going to be interesting. Than I, than I think you did, maybe. Well, of the two of us, one of us checked our watch three times, and that would be you, uh, sir. So uh, I did that because I, I didn't. I did that because uh, it are was, you worried about the start of the show? Right. Okay. I was. I was. Well, I got to say, only because of that. I'll, 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 I'll let that slide the last two times because we were near the end. But the first time we were less than halfway through the film. Well, then I was just seeing where we were. Because okay. All right. I, it just, that makes sense. I was just trying to figure out. I knew how long the movie was supposed to be. Right. I, I didn't actually know the exact minute that it started or whatever. Yeah. But I was just trying to see where in the entire scope of this movie sure. are we <laughs> at this point. I do that sometimes. So I and it was that. like I, rem- I, I checked it. We had about 35 minutes left of the runtime of the film. Yeah, and so I I just want to know where I was right there because of what was going on, and because of certain people who are already dead, and I right. kind of kind of was like, how are they going to wrap? This how up long in is this going to keep right. going with, you know, <clears throat> how many people are dead, whatever. Right. But uh, now there is lots of positive stuff happening with this movie. People are talking really positively about this movie. I felt like uh, in watching the film, even with all the people talking, really really positively about it and certain things like the Rotten Tomato meter score is really pretty high for this. Yeah. Um, still, I, I went into it knowing it was going to be a really stupid horror movie and yeah. I'm not a horror guy anyway. I, I, I'm not really into horror movies at all. Right. So I kind of went into it going, I know it's going to be stupid. I know people are talking about how, much they loved it and whatever, but it's still going to be just, you know, people making dumb decisions, trying and, to trying you know. to figure out getting really naked as much as we can, right. and right. running into the woods when you shouldn't, and right. you know, classic horror stuff like that, just with some weird spin to it. Right. I mean, why are we running into the woods now when that would be really stupid? And yeah, why is everyone like certain things that? Uh, you know, come right out of horror that they put their own crazy spin to, like, why is everyone separated, locked in their room? Right. Now, the way we, the way they get there with the we should split up, um, I thought was extra stupid. But the fact that they're all locked in their own respective rooms, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. at least we got a spin to why they're all alone and stuff like that. But overall, I, I really 
felt pretty confident that I was going to think it was really stupid. Right, right. And I was just going to have to go, you know, stupid horror movie and is it kind of entertaining? Now, it was even more stupid than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and a lot of it was not nearly as entertaining as I thought it would be. Right. But I can kind of write a lot of that off to, you know, how old I am and <laughs> you know how and, and not a real being a fan of the genre. You know, well, these right. things are kinda like an anesthetic for your taste to it. Right. I mean uh I get that. Yeah, there's you know, there's only so good a horror movie is going to be for me, especially if it's kind of in the camp of a bunch of teenagers are in a cabin sure, in the woods. Right. I mean, I know, I know right away that it's a bunch of teenagers <laughs> right. in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> yeah, and that only goes so far for me. But that doesn't mean that I, you know, write it off right away because I know that. I mean, right. I, I have to kind of go with it from there. There, I, I felt like there were some things that happened in the movie that really kind of distanced me from it. That felt like you know, we need five more minutes here and let's huh. stick something in here. Or, you know, it's like they had, I don't feel like this movie was constructed in like kind of a normal way. Uh, right. I, I get the feeling that this was constructed, even though as we talked about last week, when we were looking forward to this movie, um, you know, it has been in the can for two years. Yeah. Um, which can make it a little weird even seeing some of the stars because you've seen stuff that right. they did later that came out before seems, this. Yeah, it seems like Chris <laughs> Helmsworth is in everything. And right. He really hasn't been, but now he right. seems like he's all over the place. So, Right. Um, but I feel like this kind of was constructed, and obviously it's, you know, it's Joss Whedon. It's directed by uh, Drew Goddard, who has worked with, Weeding on everything, right? I right. Mean, forever. They've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And it seems to me like this kind of got constructed over a long period of, you know, random drunken weekends when a couple <laughs> of more ideas came out for it or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's not, it doesn't feel like it has this real nice flow to it. It has. It, it seems like there's like the script was only like an hour long and then right. they started building in more interior parts to create length. Yeah. And sometimes that was fine. And sometimes it was, it was awkward. Sometimes a little weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, you know, even just going back to some of the stuff you said a minute ago, we, we're a good match for this film review wise then, because I'm a huge horror fan. And I I appreciated the tropes, you know, the cliches that they put in through the film. Right. Um, the stuff where the decision when the when the crap starts hitting the fan and everything starts getting dangerous, they decide to, for example, stick together. That's the thing. And then through a very funny kind of explanation why sometimes these things happen, not in every film, but in this film, it was kind of tongue in cheek. No, no, we have to split up. I actually I enjoyed that because I thought that was a fun take on a very old trope of horror films. Um, and you just said you know you thought that was dumb that that was that it was ineffective and didn't work well. And I I can appreciate that. But um, for me, I thought it was just another fun um, just another fun example of how much the genre itself can be opened up and played with. 
to many extents. Um, so in that regard, too, the film I was looking at as a big homage to other things that had worked and come before it, and that's one of the things that Josh Whedon, he enjoys doing, and I can appreciate that. Um, but there were a lot of times where the momentum seemed to take itself away uh, from the active story. And like what you said, they, they seem to have a really fun idea for something and then run out of that idea and then decide to fill it with this subplot. I right. guess I guess there's a right. subplot to it um, without trying to give anything um, anything away, which is very silly because they give away the subplot in the first scene of the film. Well, right. So um, I don't know that we necessarily have to be too protective of that as a spoiler, but um, in a lot of ways the, the movie is set up like um, – not exactly, but it's like a Hunger Games. There are there are a, there's a crew of people engineering what's happening, and you get that from the trailer too. Um, so I don't feel too bad about about saying that out loud. Well, right. I mean, the first thing that happens is there's like the government people, even yeah. before you're supposed to know what happens with the government people. So I think uh, nothing that is the first thing that happens in the movie can right. count as a spoiler. Right. I think. I mean, like the unless you come in late and you're like five minutes after the film, you don't the, know what's happening. That would be fun. That would be a different movie to see, maybe. Or that would be interesting. There's a, I mean, the general rule overall. I mean, I guess everyone has their own rules, but whatever happens in the first act is pretty much fair game. Yeah. Unless for some strange reason, right? It, it would spoil something, but you know, nothing that happens that far in can really spoil anything right. because they're not trying to hide anything. Right. I mean, they're right. They're telling you exactly what it is, which is not at all what I thought was going to happen, as as I said a couple yeah. of different times. But, I mean, that being what it is, I really felt like almost until really the very end. And, you know, there's there's a twist that everyone talks about not spoiling the twist, which... I mean, we won't spoil it, I suppose, because why spoil it? it? It doesn't do anything to spoil it. It didn't even seem like a twist to me, though. The fact that people have so often said yeah. there's this twist not to spoil. I wonder, though, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I wonder if maybe we missed the twist. And here's here's why. We didn't stay through the credits. The only twist, because I was thinking of this as we were driving back, the only twist that we missed, potentially, is the one we didn't see. I don't know if there's one at the end. If there isn't, then what people are calling a twist is not a twist at all, unless you missed the first five minutes of the film. Well, to some extent, I mean, not the well, but it, but it to, is, but. and and now we're going to get into like this weird loophole of like not being able to say what we're saying and then just keep yeah, I keep referring to it. it. Yeah, but there is a kind of a twist, um, and then basically it just. It's just that calling it a twist, I think, is a little not much. The right way. Yeah. There's something more maybe to what's going on or whatever than seems right. obvious, except that they don't really tell you what's going on in the beginning. So it's not really a twist. It's just that you find out what's going on. Right. I mean, so... I would never refer to this as a twist. Right. A, a I, twist at the end is the crying game. Uh, that that's a twist. A twist at the end is, you know, he woke up and it was all a dream. Well, that, right. That is not uh, right. And and not only that, but it, it's funny that you say it like the crying game because I I've read a couple reviews both of which mentioned the crying game like, really? in in saying just that 
like not since the crying game has there been a movie that people have tried not to talk about so well, I'd love so to see, much or whatever. I, mean, I would it, love to find that reviewer and people, point them, you know, to the Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense was the last big movie that had a twist that people purposefully avoided talking about, and well, that was several years ago. But the Crying right. Game was like twenty years ago. Well, and I mean, the Sixth Sense is a twist too, but you know, maybe just uh, I don't know. They they picked a bad. No, I understand. They picked the wrong example, I guess. But I, I would never put this in the same kind of category as what's going on there. Yeah. Um, but I I think still, until you got to that kind of end, and then the end is depending on where what you want to call the end. The end just gets like screwball. I mean, it's like. It's the product of a story pointed in the only direction that can resolve itself. I mean, ultimately, like they wrote themselves to this direction. Well, I, I don't like not like the not like the very 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 end. Um, oh, I mean I'm, the I'm like very, the very end. The very last thing that happens. I mean, the end, like maybe like the last fifteen minutes or so. Okay. When uh, you know, basically all hell breaks loose, right? Right. Um. Uh, then it just becomes really kind of goofy, and it really lost me. I mean, I just – who cares? I, I just didn't care about what was going on anymore. Up through that point, though, it was I, – I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I, I would give it a, a fairly decent rating even. Uh, I might probably lose some of my rating for like the last 15 or 20 minutes when it just sort of seemed to go, Yeah, I don't know, it just – you know, whatever. I mean, they just they just kind of went nuts. But as far as what this movie was, you know, trying to be the realm that it exists in, I mean, I thought I've certainly seen way worse. I've, I've certainly sure. seen oh, tons yeah. of movies that I could not even, yeah, you know, pay attention to. Want to talk about further? <laughs> right. And and this one, I I, I don't know. I I didn't. I didn't love all the characters all the time, but they were, you know, decent enough. And this is a movie that can only work so well for me, and I have to kind of, I guess, remove my personal taste from trying to rate it. Well, I, I guess, you know, I can I can look at this in a couple ways. First thing, hey, hey, Felix in New Jersey, good to see you in the, the chat and uh, throwing out some fun stuff to read. Um I can look at this a couple of ways. As a fan of horror films and even movies that make fun of horror films, um, I can appreciate it. Is the movie, you know, is the movie a good time? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I can see. I think I actually had more of a fun time with it, um, laughing at a few of the things that you either didn't find funny or didn't like. Um, but does that make it, you know, a great movie? This is the kind of weird line to straddle. Like, how serious to take this this task that we've got, which is to review the movie. I can say that I can see why people would get together and go have fun with this movie because stereotypically one of the funnest things about horror films is to get a group of people together and go watch it and enjoy who's getting scared and who's screaming and right. clutching. So as a social event, horror films are always fun for people. Um, horror films should always be fun for people if you can get a bunch of people to go in a group. So in that regard, this is a lot of fun. I can see why people are doing that. I don't necessarily know that this is a great movie. 
Um, it's probably a good time. And that, that in, that in and itself is my review that it, it's, it's a good time, but it's not a great movie. Right. Um, for me, knowing that a movie is meta, meaning that it, it's self-aware, you know, a film that is meta, um, doesn't necessarily have to talk to the screen, you know, not like a la Ferris Bueller, right. but it can, or the most popular kind of example of a, of a successful meta film um, at least in my example now, is Scream. Scream was a meta film through and through, and in this regard, this movie is probably really enjoyable for people who've never seen Scream. But if you want to see a film that's a scary, you know, a horror-type genre film, that's the film that this is basically put up against. And it's nowhere near as good. Right. Nowhere near as good. And it's got so many so many pitfalls by the design of the story that, that they, they decided to tell, and that's that's cool. Um, at one point when I'm watching all hell break loose in the film, I thought, and Felix kind of gets this too, it's, you know, if you've ever seen the film, the monster squad at any point in your life, it's basically like an adult version of the monster squad. Just, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, but again, not the only reason to go see the film. Um, right. I think you can, you can go see it just as the good time horror movie. Yeah. And you know, you still have the question of whether it worked or not. And like you had brought up a few minutes before we started, you know, like Blair Witch Project, oh, God. which is a interesting thing, especially because we just saw. Okay, well, we, totally, we just took a break real quick to t- read the totally chat. Totally got dis- yeah. distracted by the chat. Yeah, actually, Felix in New Jersey in our chat says, it's fun, but a real great horror movie is truly chilling, but not gory. And I think I think he's exactly right on kind of a point to reference about this movie. Yeah. Because it's, it never really does get anything like scary, I think. I, no, but at least for me, I don't think there was really any kind of creepiness or scariness going on. It was kind of like it was too meta to be scary, and especially I think because from the get-go of this movie, you are inside whatever government things are going on that yeah. you already know that this is all being controlled. You already know all this scary stuff is going to happen, why it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and, and, you know, everything on down the line of every next step that's going on. And there is goriness, but I don't know if there's scariness. You're on another side of, like, the horror coin where it's sort of, like, fun, goofy, gory time and, and not really... I mean, really, is anything scary? Well, I didn't think it ever got. No, scary. I never thought it got scary. It's like the equivalent of a theme park roller coaster ride, where you you trust if the mechanics have done their jobs that you are still going to be safe at the end, but that it's it's a controlled fear. Like you know, you're going to go really fast, and and there's going to be some twists and turns. Right. Um, in that sense, you know, this is kind of like a fun take on certain things, but no, never. Never did I feel that it was really scary, and never did I actually feel that the audience that we saw the film with was really scared. I right. never, no, heard, it, never heard gasps or shock or you know popcorn hitting the floor or anything strange like that. So. It, it didn't even it, it didn't even exactly come through like it was ever 
especially trying to be scary. It no, it didn't. It just seemed like it was it, trying it to be... wasn't going for that kind yeah. of mood. Even, yeah. be, even before anything that might get scary, there was something leading you into that mm-hmm. mood that already kind of made it not very scary. Right. I mean, as soon as... You know, like uh, you have a couple people alone in the woods, right? Right. Well, then as they're going into the woods, getting to where the scary stuff might happen, then we're back and forth in the control room. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, just taking you right out of the possibility of it being scary. Right. So right. It, it, it was never even really offering you that. I right. mean, in a, in well, a real way. And even when the creature, you know, the system that the that the control is set up to um, to have, when that breaks down, it's not even scary. Right. It, it is more fun when all hell breaks loose just to see all hell break loose. Right. At that That's point, all. at that point, it's too much to be scary. Right. Even. Right. I mean, it's just. Well, the, you know, going going from the very start, there are all these cliches. You know, it it it's a famous easy thing that maybe. Agatha Christie made very popular, which is to just stereotype characters very quickly and get the story moving. You know, you have, and it's very similar in horror films because it's the it's the genre that uses them the most. You know, a very Oscar-worthy drama isn't going to have to stereotype everyone because the reason you're in a theater chair for two and a half hours is to see that unfold. But here you have the jock, the brain, the cheerleader, the virgin, and the goofball, the joker. And and that all by itself, you know, that's that's within the horror genre. Those are the rules, basically. Well, then, I I think I think that's a decent part of like the meta statement of right. of this exactly. movie is that in a normal horror movie, you have these people and their stereotypes, and it's kind of okay that they're stereotypes because all we need them for is their stereotype. I mean, all we need right. from the jock is that he's jockey or whatever. Right. And all we need from, you know, the whore... Right. Is, to know that she's easy. Is, she's going to be the one naked in the right, world. Is to, right. Is to get this part out of her. We don't need to know anything about her. And this, you know, being meta, takes that one step further. Yeah. That is exactly why we need right. them. And so, you know, it's just pointing that out. But I, di- I did want to jump back to... Um, you had uh, you had mentioned Blair Witch Project, and I think it it's especially funny to see this movie, think about the Blair Witch Project, and think about how the progression of movies, and get the trailer in this movie for whatever that Chernobyl thing was, the Chernobyl, Chernobyl Diaries. Diaries or something. Yeah, which is I think it's interesting because of. Uh, certain things you were saying about this movie because you go to Blair Witch Project. Everybody loved it, did crazy money. It was, you know, the best, most totally awesome thing ever until like 10 months or a year later. And then you couldn't get anyone to admit that they liked it a year ago. And then it was like, you know, that that movie's goofy. Oh, wait, now there's Blair Witch 2. Blair Witch 2 only... Only got in, into the you know pop culture awareness kind of to make fun of it because it, it didn't work yeah. I guess and it's it, it's almost like you get this thing that hooks people and gets people to keep coming back they tell all their friends that it's right. totally awesome everyone goes and I'm sure has a great time watching Blair Witch Project you go with a group of people just like this right right and then you know then there's like the backlash then you wait a few years 
Then you can come out with, with the sequel. Then you can come out with Paranormal Activity because <laughs> now everyone has forgotten that this Blair Witch Project was goofy, and we're on to a new set of people who can go see it. Right. And then that's got to have a two and a three, and then pretty soon we're at the same kind of the backlash the area or whatever. And then now it's like Chernobyl Diaries is like it looks like from the trailer right. is just like the next Blair Witch Project, yeah. and it just all keeps. Coming around, and at least this is – I think it's funny because I said this last week when we were going into this. I may not like the movie, but at least Joss Whedon will be doing something kind of worth talking about. Yeah. And then I ended up liking it more than I thought, thought you would. Than I thought I would, really. I, I kind of thought it was going to go even – goofier and stupider faster or something uh-huh. and just really kind of you know like uh 80s straight to vhs right you know yeah whatever camp or sleepaway at, camp or right, what, you know, holiday whatever excuse for being yeah. in the woods we have this right. week and right. slashiness and it wasn't at all you know in that category either i thought it built up in a, it's tricky because the part with the teenagers I thought built up fairly well, but I thought it took away from what it was doing on one hand to keep showing you parts of the other side of things, and I thought that just was really kind of made for a weird experience watching it. Yeah, well, one of the horror tropes of films is is certainly you know you. And like I said earlier, the reason you stereotype everyone isn't to isn't to showcase that you're a bad writer or just a capable writer to quickly characterize someone. It's because people go to these films to see people die. You want to see the scary stuff. And the faster you know the characters and can identify with them somehow, then the quicker you don't have to spend any time developing their character. You can just get them in the woods. Sure. Get them in the lake. Get them in the, the cabins. You know, this is why those things are done. And... And in that regard, again, this is why when people go see slasher films for a long time in the past, they were cheering Jason or Freddy or Michael. It didn't matter who it was. They didn't care about the characters. Well, and especially not only to kind of identify with the characters somehow in order to, you know, put them into some pigeonhole or whatever, but also to, you know, I guess – recognize or connect with them, like, negatively, right? I mean – Yeah, sure. You're – high school, whoever you are, right? So right. there's the dumb blonde right. that you've got one in your mind for, that you right. know at school or, you know, whatever. But right. I can't wait for Shelly to get it. Her or name's the, not Shelly, but that's the blonde you right. know. Or, the, or right. whatever jock. And yep. it, what was, you know, there were so many things about this movie that uh, the kind of frustrating thing is, you know he's got a really good horror movie in him somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and this is not really it. No, but no. he's using up some of the decent stuff that yeah. go into that other one because you know when he's got the jock right, and except he's totally not a jock. Right, <laughs> right, he's, right. He's completely not a jock. He just looks like a jock, and you know if you saw him walking down the street, he's the jock character. But he's not a jock character. But. Um, you know, let's drug him up by the time we right. get into the horror movie or wh- whatever we did to him or something. And yeah. and we can have our stoner guy be like the voice of reason going, 
but wait, isn't everyone acting strangely? And yeah. isn't this weird? And so, you know, everyone is both their stereotype and their anti-stereotype. Right. Going through the motions of, you know, at this point, I'm this. And at this point, uh, we have some excuse that I'm this. Right. And, you know, on and on. Well, that's Joss having fun in the way that Josh, uh, excuse me, Joss really loves to have fun. He He loves the high school setting. And it's not just because Buffy was so well, but he he understands, again, this is part of also the fun of dissecting, no pun intended, you know, just analyzing and reviewing something like this, which is the characters are like what you said. They're both their stereotype and their anti-stereotype. And that's Joss's statement on no one's a stereotype, you know, that the guy that you see around the corner dressed like a jock and a big football stud, he's, you know, sure. he might not be the guy you are making him to be. So that's his that's his take, and there's certainly a political take on the control aspect of you know what looks to be the government controlling all of these things. Um, it, it's just there's one of these things where you can you have all the right ingredients and you have all the characters doing the right things, but it's just not meshing somehow. Even though separately they're all great, like every single one of those characters is great and they're not bad when they're working together but in the greater whole of the movie there's something about that their cohesion together in the story it's just not working right um but it i thought you know i thought taking that to a different angle too it was really fun to see the explanation of why they're making some bad decisions which everyone in horror films does you know or right. and also the voice of reason is the pothead you right. know this character i i liked just taking um, or I shouldn't just single Joss out. I liked the writing, um, the crew taking the notion that, yeah, we're going to control this situation with the use of pheromones. And even though your right decisions are proper and well right. thought or, out, now you're going, to, you're, going to change, you're going to change your mind and do sure. the stupid thing. And in a, in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, that makes it feel like, wow, maybe Friday the 13th was – like these guys directed, you know, the the action behind that too. Because who would really go out in the woods when there was a maniac? So, right. uh, the notion that the guy who was um, seemingly always smoking a joint, being immune to the effects of the chemicals, I thought that was actually kind of fun. I enjoyed right. that. I liked, um, I liked that take on it. And there are fun moments in the movie. There are some funny lines. There's, and they're basically all his when he. Again, going back before I get out of uh, before I get ahead of myself, the tropes in the film, you know, the characterization, the the rundown gas station ten miles outside of your destination, where the creepy old caretaker tells you you're gonna die, you know, that's right. so ancient in all these horror films, and again, kind of interestingly done. Um, but it's but it's practically Scooby Doo. It, it is. Happens. It's totally this because, and they're literally in, uh, you know, they're literally in a mystery machine. You right. really do have. The Scooby Gang here, um, but the, my favorite part is when they're really they're really devoted to the fun of the story and the background of horror that they're kind of self-parodying a little bit is when they get in the cabin. The cabin is basically Evil Dead, you know, and the the books and the the crate. I won't ruin all the stuff because watching the scene unfold is probably the best part of the film, at least for right. me. So when they finally go into uh, the basement and they see all these interesting things. That's when I felt the movie was at its strongest. Just all these right. interest in throwbacks and nods to um, other films that came before it. Right. That was really fun. And yeah. the stoner, basically unaffected by all of these other elements, was like, 
look, this is not a good idea. How about idea. let's get out of here? And his funniest moment, which is don't read from the sacred book. You know, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Right. Don't do that. And he's the only one who knows, but you easily dismiss him because he's just a pothead. You right. Know? So. Right. And even there, I enjoy that stuff. There are so many ways that it has all its pokes and nods and um, even, you know, just before they do that. And then there's, you uh-huh. know, the probably the wind blew it open. And, right. And then here comes yeah. the pothead going, does that make sense? How? <laughs> How exactly? Right. Yeah, right. Because it's just, you know, that in so many other horror movies, it would be like, well, this is perfectly explainable because this, right, which makes no sense, right. But that's what we're gonna say in the movie because for for whatever reason, like we're trying to be okay with the fact that these people are so stupid that they're right. doing this because they have some kind of rationale right. yeah. for doing it. Yeah. So then it's all right. Yeah. Except that everyone watching it is, you, you know, has to say. But that makes no sense. So then, in right. this movie, we actually just do it. You've never really been to a horror film if you've if you've never had someone in the audience that you're watching the movie with stand up or shout from the back, "Don't go in the room, right. get out of the house." Like right. I've had that happen before, and what it does is it elicits wild laughter through the crowd because everybody knows, right. you know, yeah, you don't go in the room that's locked and you know sealed in blood, and you just right. get out of the house, you know. But well, and then you, and then eventually you get to. Uh, stand-up comedy where, I mean, it's, right. it's like, you know, get out, too bad we can't stay. I mean, that's, right. yeah. you know, then, it, but then there's, then there are no horror movies. I mean, right. if, if anyone acts with a brain, it's very difficult. There are only very, very limited number of horror movies right. where people can actually do the mostly smart thing logical, yeah. and still have your movie keep going. Right. And this is and this kind of brings it full circle in a way to my criticism and comparison of it to Scream. Wes Craven basically had Sydney, you know, they they spout rules off for horror films all throughout the film and she literally says at one point, you know, I'm not the big-breasted bimbo who runs upstairs when I should have been going out the front door. And yet knowing all the rules she was still in a horror movie for two hours. Right. You know, not counting the sequels. And right. I guess you count eight hours. But um, in this regard, certainly, I think that even paying a little bit of homage to that notion of even if you know the rules, you're still in danger. Um, horror films have been done to death, no pun intended. They're either just there's so many things that people try to capitalize on and change. I can appreciate this twist on the tale, but it just. You know, it was it was a good time, but I don't know that it was necessarily a super great movie. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it was a super great movie, and it it would be, as I said, I mean, I, I have to admit of my biases, it, it would be really hard right. for any horror movie to be a really great film. I think the last movie that I saw that is vaguely in the horror genre that I thought was a really great movie was Ravenous. Ravenous is fun. And it's almost uh, not even quite a horror movie, right. really. It's just a movie where you know horrible things re- happen, <laughs> really bad things happen. But yeah. you, it's it's a stretch to kind of I think include it in horror. But I kind of think of it as horror because I, I almost sort of think you have to be that good. You you actually have to kind of be a, a little bit distanced from the horror genre, and then and then still try to be horror because I mean it's still yeah. it's still it's still kind of horror. I mean, 
it's creepy and yeah. crazy and right. whatever. It's just not, you know, teenagers right. running through well, the woods. Horror, horror is one of the reason I love horror films so much is because it it says an awful lot. You can take a horror film contemporarily. Uh, well, not even that. You can actually look back and see the horror films from different cultures, and you can basically tell where they are socially and what's scaring them. You know, and right. and uh, not to make this a big digression, but when the Americans were making films of giant roaches and ants, and you know things that were getting out of control, it was around the time that nuclear problems were really on everyone's mind, and we thought right. we were going to bomb ourselves into a new Stone Age where cockroaches fifty feet tall were going to eat us. Right. Versus the idea in the '80s of the stranger, the people, the force we don't know—that's unstoppable. I mean, on and on. Right. So, in some regard, I just like looking at horror films and seeing what's what's happening. And as a very interesting side note, uh, it's fun at, at certain times of the of the cabin in the woods where you see other countries doing certain things at the same time, and, and their version, and their experiments are all different. Right. That's actually a really fun moment too um, to see right. because it again. Uh, there's a moment where you see the Japanese and really the things that scare the Japanese don't affect me at all. It's like I remember I remember being one of the only people and not because I want to be that cool guy who stands out, but when I saw the Blair Witch Project, I hated it. And I hated it because I grew up in New England. And growing up in New England, I've been around trees and rocks and sticks my entire life. And being in the woods is not scary to me. Right. However, somebody in the city or in the south, like this could be sure. terribly frightening for them. I was a victim of just circumstance, but I never I never thought it was scary. The same thing with some of the Japanese things. What appears to have scared the Japanese for a long time is women, long hair and wet long hair. And I'm not afraid <laughs> in eyeballs. And I'm not afraid of looking a woman in her eye even if she has wet hair. It doesn't scare me. Right. But these things are frightening to the Japanese. And in some regard, um, this is what's really interesting about horror is to look and see what is scary and why for other people. Right. Um, and but you can only go so many routes with that, and then you have to start making parodies of it. Right. And again, this is this is a fun throwback to those things, which is imagine all the horror movies you liked, whether it was The Exorcist or The Ring or uh, The Grudge, and then throw in some Evil Dead, whether it's Evil Dead Two, the more comedic version or not. You just you have all of these things going on at once, and it's a good time. But like what you said earlier, it, it had too many things going on right. at certain parts to be a totally great time. Right. And, you know, actually, since you mentioned uh, that we do see other countries, other places yeah. around the world, I thought it was a little weird because uh, it seems not to actually coalesce with the mythology that the movie is exactly. creating. Right. Uh, because there, there, are cer- there are certain rules they have nothing to do with what's going on in Absolutely the other countries. Nothing, nothing so how, uh, I, that's a tricky one, and especially because as we get towards the end, I don't, I don't know if it's real spoilery to say um, that things do not progress as they are supposed to. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that's because I, I, I think I think pretty early on in the movie, you can get the idea that. Um, you know, if you're just paying attention to what's going on, that things can't work out the way they're supposed to. Right. Because then, I mean, that could never be a movie. Right. So um, we have to, we look at these other countries and things are not going the way they're supposed to in these other countries. Yeah. But in a way that 
you almost have to just write it off right and pay no attention to it it's like so so then why do we have to see it in such detail right. anyway i right. mean we could just see there's one part really close to the end where we just kind of flash on the names of other countries yeah. and like a picture and it's you know we get whatever information we need from the other countries right there right. and didn't actually need any other focus that throws things off by yeah. by giving us this change in overall yeah. scheme i don't know anyway um i think the thing is though i could just let this work i think there's a very good point to make and you already made it actually um just not here yet that if you like this movie a, a lot, if you really like this movie, it's probably because you haven't seen X, right. Y, or Z before. Just like um, if you really fell in love with Paranormal Activity, right. you know, well, did you see Blair Witch Project? Or, you know, Blair Witch Project is even hard to say in a positive way anymore because everyone <laughs> hates it now, right? But. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever other movie. I mean, there are other, plenty of other films. And while this one is good and I think works more just as kind of fun, you kind of have to almost, it's so far, I think, one direction that it's almost not completely in the horror genre right. anymore because it, it's trying to go so far letting you off being scared of anything all uh -huh. the time. And it's trying to do so much other work with, you know, all of the meta stuff that it's trying to do, all of the kind of explaining away all of the stereotypical horror right. movie things yeah. that it's kind of almost removing itself a little bit from yeah. from really being horror and I guess if you really like this movie, there are a few different ways to really like this movie. Right. But as just a crazy good time, fun horror movie, if you've seen a lot of other things uh -huh. that come before this, it's harder to like this as much. Yeah. Some, yeah. So if you're going into this and, you know, all of the, I don't even know, like 25 or uh -huh. under people. Right seeing this movie are probably going to have, like have a really good time. Yeah. It's not something that you want to hope you're going to get scared by. Yeah. But I could see the good time happening, but right. a lot of that good time comes from not knowing other things. Yeah. I mean, just like just like, you know, probably a, a fair amount of other stuff Joss Whedon does really is yeah, in it, a way. It, it is gets a good deal of its power from your lack of experience right. with other things. And this right. one kind of even shows that off, which is kind of strange because you have to have the experience to get half of the stuff that's going on in here. Yeah. And yet if you have the experience, it's not as fun. Right. So, a bit of a catch, but yeah. So, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're in the younger side of people going to see this, right. Then you get the fun out of it, but it probably, you know, it's not like, I mean, they explain everything so straight out. 
mm-hmm. in in many ways that I, I mean I, I suppose you would get it. There's nothing that you're that it's going to probably go over your head. Maybe right. maybe <laughs> a few things because nothing has really a chance to go over your head, right. I guess. But it's still just not the same experience, right? Uh, as you know, you've lived through all those other yeah. things that it's working with. I, I think if you're if you're a fan of horror movies, you're going to see this movie anyway. Well, you know, sure. You're, you're just going to go check it out, not only because of the buzz, but because Joss Whedon has a good name uh, for being capable of doing things. And you know, you're going to see most horror fans are um, a lot like comic book fans. If there's a movie made from a comic book, you're going to get that built-in audience, and they're going to go in the horror fans anyway to see this. My suggestion is don't go in thinking that this is going to scare you. Don't go in thinking that um in any way there's going to be anything new here really. Go in with, you know, a bunch of friends if you if you can, you know, and and have fun at the fun of the movie basically. Um I just it's not it's not a bad movie at all. You know, all the negative things to go against it. Um that at least I've said today. I'm just a little. Um, I'm just a little surprised. I thought Josh would do a little bit more, but he was certainly having fun, tongue in cheek, pointing the mirror back at its, uh, at the genre itself, and that's that's great because it can't always be scream over and over again because even that has been done. So right, and uh, it does make things a little bit tricky, just because this movie, at least, you know, puts itself in its own realm to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, and we do have someone in the chat room, and actually it's somebody that uh, I know. So do I. <laughs> and uh, Matthew says, I uh, just got back from seeing the film, and uh, he's, his opinion is that having seen all the things in the past made him enjoy the film more for example, Hellraiser, Bats, Lagoon, so on and so forth, and that he didn't see the movie as even trying to be horror, but to be referential at its entire core, which, in I mean, in a sense, I kind of agree with. I, I don't see it really as trying to be horror, depending on what you mean by horror. I mean, right. depending I mean, on where, a, you're, where yeah. you're going. And we have covered some of this stuff already, like, that it it just rules itself out, I think, of of being really scary. That that um, it does so many things that are gonna kind of let you off the hook of being scared. Yeah. I mean, that you know, even when we have you know one scene where we are kind of only partially watching the scary stuff happen in the background screens mm-hmm. of the control room. I mean, if if that doesn't let you out of the scary, I don't. That's like well, the definition of letting you out because right. you're looking at it on another screen. Well, in, in a weird way to take it, you know, not too too far because we we will run out of time before I get too deep into this idea too. But that was one of the scariest moments of the film. It was. That's it, Joss's political take on how desensitized we are right. to, to the horror of violence that's in front of us. Not only, or I'm not speaking for him, I'm speaking of my interpretation of him, but not only what we observe and how we observe it, but how we can disengage from it entirely, especially when these people in this moment that I'm talking about know that this is truly happening. Right. That we can can do this with nightly news when we watch buildings explode and we know people are in them. 
Um, or we can do this in a horror movie where we watch other people just orchestrate and then turn their backs and celebrate right. the violence that's happening to them. Um, I, I understand what Matt is is saying as well. I don't necessarily know that I could agree fully with the statement that it wasn't trying to be a horror film. It, a horror film can certainly still be like what you were just saying. Um, depending on its starting point, it can be tongue-in-cheek. It can be something that's self-referential. Um, but I think the moment you put flesh-eating inbred zombies in your movie, you've got yourself a horror film. You know, in the moment that people well, sure. start dying the way they do in this film, you've got a horror film. I, th- I think in... Uh, and it's okay that a horror film doesn't limit itself, and it shouldn't. And that's also another thing, that, that pushing the boundaries and the elasticity of these movies is good because it's very easy to just subjugate them into, oh, you're just a horror film, and you're going to stay in this box that I put you in. Right. And... At least in that regard, I, I just I don't see it the same way. Right. I mean, there is there are clearly ways in which this is just by definition horror. Right. And if you're going to, ha- there are certain things that exist in here that it's hard to say that it's not horror just because those things are in it. Right. But beyond that, I think you can pretty easily say that it. It's trying to be something other than horror. I mean, it, yeah, it, it is no, it's horror. it's transcending it to a bit. Yeah, it, I understand. It, it, it is horror, and it's it's kind of like what I said with uh, Ravenous. You know, Ravenous goes so far one way that it's kind of not horror anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie just kind of goes the other direction to a certain extent, that it it's kind of... It's a there's some call to be made. It's right. just not obviously horror. Right. There, there's an argument on either side. Well, I, and, and again, the argument against that is, you know, certainly it wasn't horror because it wasn't scary. You know, well, and right. I guess that's a bit of an objective opinion. You know, I'm I'm basically I may not be the easiest judge of that because I'm I've seen so many horror films. You know, and what would normally scare someone else might you know be seen as just something to shrug off because I've seen it so much. Right. But it just didn't seem like this was, um, you know, scary. But again, I, I can certainly see the side where, no, it's not set out to be a straight-up horror film. You know, it wasn't set up to be like a paranormal activity, if even I could call it a horror film. Um, because of its self-referential meta beginnings, you know, it's very tongue-in-cheek about what we do and how we view horrible things. Right. So, yeah, I, I can see both sides of it, but... I, I think that one scene is is actually a pretty interesting to talk about. Except that yeah. you know, you can only talk about it so much right. without giving anything away. But right. just the fact that all these screens right in front of these people have all this stuff on, and it's not doing anything to them. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, we're meant to be scared. And not that that was scary exactly, but it was very creepy. Right. It, it was a very yeah. creepy, weird moment that was very effective in making you feel a certain way by just giving you this little chunk of what's happening. Right. And, and I think that if it wasn't for that scene, I think I would actually have a lot probably less respect for the film yeah. or something because that at least made the movie do something more interesting than just talking right. about horror movies. Right. It's talking about other things as well. Right. And you kind of get led into it through that scene. I mean, I guess yeah. through some earlier parts to some extent, but yeah. not 
Well, that in some way is is also what um, makes a good horror movie great is that it gets you talking about things other than wow her her trip into the woods was horrible until she took off her top and then got stabbed. Right. You know, I mean, if you can if you can make a movie talk about things, then it is better than what it been better than some of its predecessors certainly. But um, right. Um, so yeah. we are, we are getting a little bit low on time. So yeah. I just don't want uh, I don't want to get to where we run out. Uh, if right. there's anything else that you specifically want to touch no, on. No, I'm uh, curious what your, your final grade for the film would be, I guess. I think my final grade would probably be like, eh, you know, like, I want to say like three and a half-ish. Wow. Um, just because, you know, uh, here here's the thing, too. Um, I'll just jump right into this while we still have a little bit of time left and we're live. I think next week what we're going to do, actually, is take a week off of movies and do some establishment. And a, a lot of the reason for that is because I've really had enough of having to talk for an hour about stuff that I didn't particularly want to watch in the first place. <laughs> Writing a review is one thing, but um, and not that I don't you know, ever want to do American Reunion again or or things like that. I mean, like that. And not that I didn't like this movie right. either. Um, but I can't even remember the name of the movie. The Lucky One is the right. big thing that comes out next week. And I just don't want to talk about it for right. an hour. Well, we could always talk about and, it for a half hour, but I know what you mean. Well, right. I know what you mean. Um, so, but what I think we're going to do next week is... Uh, I'm actually going to try and get at least one person to call in that we will maybe get to talk about an upcoming movie. Uh, but I thought we'd kind of do like half. Each of us just kind of go on how we rate movies uh -huh. and, and why we rate them the way we do. And we've obviously touched on that, you know, here and there. Right. Um, what leads into that is for rating this movie – um, you know, I don't, I, I don't do my five star scale like in a, I, I guess, where does this movie exist in comparison to all other movies? Okay, three and a half stars. Right. That's not the approach that I take, and it is the approach that a lot of people take. Right. So I just want to uh, actually have some time for us both to kind of you know give where we're coming yeah. from, and then I thought maybe we do ha whatever time frame. Out, but the other uh, about maybe half of the time, just looking at what we are going to see for so, the next several yeah, upcoming weeks, be maybe some predictions, and, and, right? Yeah. And with the with it getting pretty close to the summer, you know, just look through real quick what seems like the that thing we have to see and right whatever ideas we have. Sure. So uh, that said, we have about a minute left. Which is probably not going to get us anywhere. So no. I am like three and a half stars, and uh, we may stay on a little bit later, and I'll explain a little bit of that. But where are you? Um, about two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'll, well, I'm not surprised at my two and a half. I'm surprised that you're over three. Right. That's that's a little bit uh, – that's certainly surprising So, to me. 
Well, okay, so there is the final judgment call. Um, we will be back next week, and uh, I'm almost positive we won't actually be looking at a movie. Um, <laughs> so that, that could change. You never know what might happen. But um, until next week, since this is about to go off of live, you know, find us at com, and we will be back next week. Nice. We just will probably not be doing a movie. But so you'll still want to tune in. Goodbye, and Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Okay, so now that's over, and now we're not live. Um, I, I actually just, you know, I don't want to go into a huge long thing, especially if next week that's what we're going to do. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> because then that would doubly be stupid. But for people who are uh, now listening to the podcast version of this, um, you know, there there's a certain difficulty, I think, to – getting something that actually works as a rating system when you have to put every single movie in the universe in it. Especially when you get things like, if you look at Roger Ebert, now he does four stars, right? And he has, you know, all of the great movies are four stars, right? Right. Obviously. But he also gave Indiana Jones and The Crystal Crystal Skull four stars. Right. And then... And he really kind of, when he talks about rating movies, talks about the idea that what you're supposed to be doing is some sort of where is this movie in the whole grand scheme of all other movies. Right. Which, I mean, I'm already lost on that, if you can give that four stars. Right, right. But I think the thing is, whenever I go see a movie, when I think of all the greatest you know, movies of all time, or even movies that aren't necessarily in the upper echelon, but that I just love, and I want to give those five stars. And then, and then I, now I have to see like a goofy horror movie, right? Uh, you know, if I was going to go, where is this movie in relation to like, you know, doing flick chart or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is better? Right. And then you just have a numbered list of where right. all your movies are, right? This movie would be so far down sure. on the list of movies, you know, that I've seen in my entire life that it would be lucky if it could be one star almost before I ever saw it. Right. So I just feel like that can't be a fair way to try and rate a movie is where is it in the whole universe of other movies. So I really try to look at uh, basically what is the movie trying to be and is there any legitimacy to being that? Uh-huh. And then how good a job did the did movie be? At, did it do at trying to be that? Right. And for me, you know, the best this movie could ever possibly be is still not going to be something that I would love. Right. No matter what it did. Right. It's, it's not going to ever go down as one of my all-time greatest films. But I feel like unless you can kind of destroy the legitimacy of a project, like let's say, you know, Freddy Got Fakered, right? Okay. I think – Almost every movie should have some chance of being five stars. I th- oh, I can't, I can't agree to that. I think that there should be – I think there are five-star stupid, goofy comedy movies. 
Yeah, I think there are. Uh, I think there are five star horror movies where, if I really was looking at where I would put the movies in comparison to all other movies, uh-huh. no horror movie would ever be five stars. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, even I can't have, agree with that either. I, I would. I wouldn't even have to see it. Yeah. That's too bad. So, I mean, it's there's too many things going on, I right. think, to try to really lock down how you rate movies, you know. But I I definitely am locked into the idea that unless you really can just kind of tear apart the legitimacy of the movie being made, uh-huh. which there are more movies that right. you can do that to than it might sound than like not. just because I said that. Right. Um, I think every movie should have a chance at being five stars. Like if you look at American Reunion, I would say I can take some points off just for the legit, right. you know, just for to start with on that movie. Just on by the time it was over, I realized it wasn't actually a legitimate right. concept we were after. Right. Something like The Cabin in the Woods. I think that could possibly be a five star movie. That just the fact of the movie alone, I guess, you know, does not rule out that it could be five stars. It could be a really awesome horror, you know, meta, whatever, you know, whatever you're trying to get at that it's trying to do, that could be five stars. Right. If you're trying to knock it off of being five stars, I think it's got to be not even from the perspective of what the movie actually did, but what the movie was trying to do. You have to just say, you know, even if this were the best it could possibly be, I wouldn't give it five stars because it's it's too stupid a try. Right. I mean, it's it's not a good effort even. It, it's not – you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. And it, So then I have to kind of rate this from how far away from the potential five stars that this might have had do I think it actually ended up. And right. And that's about where so I you feel work like backwards. it was. You basically start with every movie, if it's legitimately conceived, getting five stars, and then the detractions bring it down. Is that – I mean, a, I don't want to get too far. This is very easy. We'll talk about this for another hour easily, so right. we should probably save a lot of this. But I'm, right. I'm curious, I, is that what you're saying? Like you I, I, I really guess, start and go backwards? Uh, in a way, maybe, but but not really. I think I think all I do is I – can get an idea of what the top possible score is. And then I don't necessarily work backwards from it already has that top possible score and then I have to deduct points or whatever. Right. But it's just that I, you know, look at it as a possible as that possible score, right? And I might and sometimes I don't know what that is until the movie's over, right? Until I've seen it. Right. I might mm-hmm. say you know, going into this movie, it seems like it could be this. Now that I've watched the movie, I have a better understanding of what they were trying to do, and what they were trying to do is ridiculous, right? right? I mean, but anyway, I just wanted to say that uh, for The Cabin in the Woods, because uh, I, I'm really pretty confident with it being like three and a half stars. It's a really goofy comedy. Uh-huh. It has some decent parts. I think it's pretty fun. And I think that uh, you don't have to go all the way to kind of some sort of like really highbrow, really serious horror in order for it to be possible to get five stars. Yeah. And 
I don't think that it did so bad if it really has a possible five stars. You know, it's like one or two stars or something. Right. I, I think, you know, for what it was trying to be, it did pretty good. It got a little insane at the end. Yeah. Um, but but it's complicated. I'm just I'm not a fan of. I mean, I'll I'll do it. I feel like if you know in your head the rating system that you have for yourself and how you look at things, you can apply that to something else. So if I said to you next week or in two weeks what we're going to do is we're not going to do stars we're going to do letter grades you know you can easily adapt right. what's in your head to that and if i said instead we're going to do like metacritic and we're going to go from a scale from zero to a hundred i think you could obviously do that too you could sure. convert three and a half stars to a hundred point scale very easily right sure um i i never liked the three or four star scale um excuse me the four or five star scale too much because i don't think it leaves enough room for um the problems that you might have or the the pleasures that you might have with a movie. I think there's a lot of films out there if you say, look, I'm on a five-star basis and this is two and a half, what that means is it's average. It's halfway to being great. You know, that's a C grade. That's a 50. Right. You know, it, but if, if, if I were giving a numerical value for The Cabin in the Woods on a scale of 1 to 100 or 0 to 100, 0 has got to be in there, it would be more reflective, I think, of what I enjoyed more from it. Um, so it's hard because what you do is, but as a re- as a reviewer who who gets paid for their work, like Ebert, who does, you know, you don't want to confuse the rating systems when so many people can immediately come to mind with four or five stars. Right. It just bugs me when so many people use five stars for everything they see because they enjoyed it. And I'm thinking, the greatest movie you've ever seen. Now, whether or not that's The Cabin in the Woods or The Godfather or whatever it is. This is on par with that? I don't believe you. You know, you haven't thought about your review long enough. And right. even though all we're doing is in the greater scheme of all the problems in the world, this is this is nothing. We're reviewing a movie. We're having fun. But at least in that sub genre of things to do, take it serious and tell me really why you think that's the greatest film you've ever seen or right. on par with it. And if you can't, then you really gotta think not you specifically, but people right. when I see people give things like a ten yeah, everything I'm thinking this five. is not right. the best film you've ever seen. Right. Especially when uh, like on IMDB. That drives me crazy. Where you see everybody. Uh, where you see movies and it's like it has this many ten star ratings yeah. or whatever. Right. I think that is kind of also a different question too, because there's there's a somewhat different question in how you rate things that is however you explain it it's something along the lines of like how many five star movies right. in like a year or right. a decade or however you want to yeah. you want to look at it can there really be right. or have there really been and if you look at someone especially if you go back over time and you know, go okay. Last year, how many movies did they rate five stars? Right. At some point, you lose credibility. That right. I don't think it means that you know you have to really focus on that. But if you're looking at a movie critic, you go back last year, and they had like 55 star movies last year. The greatest movie year of all time. <laughs> right. Wow. Then, Why would you ever leave that year? Then right. Somewhere it's gone wrong. Right. And then the question is like, you know, when does it go wrong when when it's too many? When does it go wrong when it's not enough? Not enough right. You don't want to be that guy when, that when never does it, it. Yeah. When does it go wrong where, you know, in the last three years, this person's only had one five-star movie? I think that is maybe yeah. a, a little too far the other way. But everyone has kind of 
where they feel that should be. The comfort zone, right. Right. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this next week, but I'll, I'll throw it out now. How many five-star movies a year do you think you can expect to see? You know, and again, don't have to answer it now because we're running out of time. Right. But, you know, because this is the we, kind of thing that I'm go. kind of curious about anyway. So. Right. I will yeah. get... If I have to throw something out off the top of my head, I'm going to say I usually probably have like, let's say like five or six probably. That's pretty, that's right around the ballpark. Somewhere in that area anyway. And I'll tell you, the funny thing about that just for me is that if you go back like the last five years and, you know, there, there there may be a year where I have ten Right. Or there may be a year where there are I have, great years where I have uh, different amounts. Probably like fifty percent of the five star movies that I see are really small independent films. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and that also will be something else we'll talk about too, which is you know, right. are you more adept at you know being entertained by something that's not big budget or pushed hard through trailers and screeners, or right. is it? The film that sneaks up and surprises you with its subtlety, or right, you know, I'm looking forward to next week. That'll be fun. Cool. Okay. Well, we should. Uh, I mean, if we don't stop now, then we'll never ne- stop. Next week will be irrelevant. Right so, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you, you know, have stayed uh, with us this long, well, actually, I think you can't possibly have listened to this right, right. now. So, actually, later, people. Thanks for listening to the rest right. of this, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.